Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful morning thus far. Uh, we're in 1 Thessalonians 5 this morning uh, in verse 23. And it says this. Uh, so 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this kind of comes as Paul is starting to wrap up uh, everything that me and Annie have been looking at for the last four or five weeks, maybe even more than that. These short little commands which sum up the Christian life. Things like rejoice always. Things like encourage the faint-hearted. Things like be at peace among yourselves. Things like esteem those above you very highly in love. Just short, um, people have called them staccato commands. They're like little um, gemstones in a necklace of the Christian life. And so as he now comes wrapping this all up, uh, he he comes to this, uh, he finishes it off and then says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now really, I think the reason that Paul goes back to this at the end is because unless God engraves these things on our hearts, unless God is the one who affects these things in our life, they remain just rules outside of us. It's like, think of the uh, the image in 2 Corinthians 3 of the, of the uh, Ten Commandments on, on stone. So long as they're just on stone and not in the heart, they're going to just remain something that has no, um, we have no joy in obeying. They're just an external command and therefore we won't obey them. In the same way, unless God writes these things on us, unless God sanctifies us completely and brings this to us, they remain just um, nice commands for us to focus on or even challenging commands. Maybe you don't want to esteem those above you in love. Maybe you don't want to pray without ceasing or rejoice always. But where God brings these to bear on our lives, we find joy in those things. And so that's the, that's the first thing. The reason that Paul comes back here is because we need God to do this. But another thing that's really quite profound here that we should never get too used to is there's an emphasis. It doesn't just say, now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May God do this. There's no intermediary. God isn't working through someone else, working through someone else, through someone else. God himself will sanctify you. Now, he can use means to to achieve that, like through his word, for instance. But that's different from him sending someone else to do it because he's so far away. Now, the reason I think this is so profound is because um, in the ancient world, in the context this was written in, the gods were way out there and there were hundreds of intermediaries between us and the gods. Um, You might have heard of Gnosticism before. Gnosticism was a very early... um, heresy in in Christianity, actually, but it it didn't develop in Christianity. It developed in uh, pagan thought and then kind of used some Christian language. But Gnosticism basically taught that there is an unknowable uh, 
highest power that we might call God that's kind of way above and beyond and away from us. And he kind of, uh, they call them emanations. It, it kind of, that God kind of shone like a, like a, how a light shines out into another smaller God and into another smaller God and into another smaller God. And they become more and more knowable the more it kind of emanates out. And so eventually you end up with Jesus, the spirit that we can know and he can teach us secret knowledge. And that was Gnosticism. Going to God was impossible. He is the unknowable. And you have to go through these various emanations um, of God. Now, that um, wasn't an uncommon thought in the ancient world. I mean, even in Jewish paganism, there was this concept where you can only speak to God through your angels. That was something that started developing between the Old and New Testaments. And without seeking to be too controversial, even uh, Roman Catholic theology puts a big divide between us and uh, God. You come to God, or rather you're sanctified by God through the church, through the sacraments. The, the, the gradual holiness that happens in us is through receiving communion, for instance. Um, and then even then you go to God through the priest. That was one of the big points of the Reformation. In, in When Martin Luther started the Reformation, he made this point, we can take our prayers and confession directly to God. And that was one of the things that he was treated as a heretic for. No, you have to go through the priest. But we find here that God himself will sanctify us completely. The Bible, instead of all these intermediaries and emanations or whatever, the Bible teaches where there was a divide, God has now stepped in. And so God himself has come to sanctify his people. Not your elders, not the sacraments, not an angel. God himself will sanctify you and is sanctifying you. What's the most obvious um, expression of that? He's put his Holy Spirit in us. God isn't going to put his Holy Spirit in something which he's going to then leave behind. He gives his Holy Spirit to sanctify something. God has put his spirit in you. He is sanctifying you. And I love this language of God himself. Because there's a few other places where it uses that kind of language. So if you think of Revelation 21, and, and God himself will be with them, that's what it says. This image that not someone like God, not a temple that you go in and you kind of meet with God through the symbols in there, but God himself will be there. There's this very real sense that God is coming to dwell with his people in a very intimate sense. And that is what God is doing when he sanctifies us, when he makes us more holy, more like him. God will dwell with us. And actually what we're seeing is that that Revelation 21 promise of God himself will be with them, that's a promise for the future. That's a promise for when Jesus comes back. And places like this, in places like 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, it's kind of like that, a preview of that future promise is being brought now into the present. And now God is beginning that work of he himself coming to sanctify us and change us. It's quite a profound point, really. God himself will sanctify you. You know, think about 1 Timothy 2. There is uh, one, um, sorry, what am I trying to say? There is one intermediary between, one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. Now, why is Jesus uh, suitable to, me, to be a mediator between um, God and man? Because he is God and he is man. So even if someone would say, well, Jesus is the one who sanctifies us, it still is, the, it, you end up with the same thing. God himself will sanctify you completely. It's a wonderful reality. And one last point I just want to reflect on. 
The God of peace is what he's called here. God of peace. Now, we find that in these last um, uh, commands and verses that we've been looking at, there's kind of one thing that kind of sums up the whole list, and that's this concept um, of, of Philadelphia. That's the word that Paul uses. It just means brotherly love. Adelphos means brother. Philos means love. So Philadelphia, brotherly love. That's really what sums up all the previous commands, and it's been a theme throughout this book. And brotherly love results in harmony and peace in the church. And so just as, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, we reflect the fact that God is a God of order in the way that we worship, that God is a God of compassion in the way that we care for one another, that we are to be patient as God is patient to us with each other's shortcomings, as we see in um, verse uh, 14. But also uh, our whole being, our whole being together, our whole gathering together as a church should reflect God as a God of peace. That's who God is, the God of peace. Now, the word that Paul very likely has in mind here, I mean, it's written in Greek, but it's a Hebrew word, is, is shalom. And the Hebrew word shalom refers to much more than just what we might call peace, but a sense of real wholeness and harmony in creation. If you think of a place where we've achieved peace in human history, when World War ended, when World War II ended, we had V-Day. We could say peace has been achieved, but it wouldn't be right to say that we had achieved shalom. The nations were still, uh, had to rebuild. The nations were still, um, there was still enmity between the two of them. It wasn't shalom. There may have been peace as in no war, but there wasn't wholeness and harmony brought back. That's really what shalom refers to. Now, as I say, it's very likely that Paul is merely just translating this Hebrew term into Greek. And so he's referring to the God of shalom. Now, what does that say about the God who sanctifies us? It's saying that the God of shalom himself is doing it. What kind of result will it have? What kind of result will it have if the God of wholeness and harmony is the one sanctifying us? Well, as a body, as people together, we should be sanctified together in peace, harmony with one another, dwelling with another with, with one another in peace, dwelling with, with one another in harmony. That's what it means for us to be sanctified by the God of Shalom himself. So um, as we finish there, let's, let's reflect on that throughout today. God is a God of Shalom and he himself is at work in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are at work in us, Lord, that you yourself are doing it. And Lord, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, we just pray that as you sanctify us, that you would sanctify us and bring that uh, shalom in our churches, in our communities. Lord, bind us together in love, we pray, as we seek to reflect your character more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.